This is the One Soldier Podcast, episode 19, with me, Russell Hillier. On today's episode, we're going to the South African borderlands and the last of the Cold War's proxy wars with former paratrooper and author Granger Korf. Granger's book, 19 with a Bullet, has sold tens of thousands of copies around the world and chronicles his missions and battles against Soviet-backed forces in Namibia and Angola in the early 1980s as South Africa waged a prolonged and a brutal war of survival on its border. Granger's going to guide us through the African bush to give us a sense of what this war was really like, including the tank battles, the airstrikes, and the small team patrols deep inside enemy territory. Granger Korf joined me from his home in California, and here's our conversation. Yeah, I think this is, right. I think this is actually going to happen. Well, nice to meet you, Russell. You too, Granger. Really, really excited that you could uh, join the podcast today. I've been looking forward to it. Yes, 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 yes. Definitely, man. Definitely. I usually, I usually have the big uh, Canadian flag in the background for me, but uh, I can see behind you, you've got the old uh, South African flag. Yeah, that's the old South African flag. There we got it. <laughs> I got nice. It, I got it you, going. you can still get those? Uh, no, yeah, they're kind of hard to find. Yeah, they they hard to find, and I had a friend that I was visiting, and uh, she gave it to me. Nice, she said, man. yeah, take this. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks again for beaming in from uh, all the way from California. I've been reading your book, Nineteen with a Bullet, and uh, not not quite done it, but it's a fantastic read, Granger. I really really enjoy the book. It's it's well written. It sort of resonates with I think anybody who can imagine like you know, being a young man and sort of like trying to find yourself. And of course you do, you do find yourself through uh, the field of battle and, oh, yeah. and the army. You sure do. And in, in our case there, Russell, so, so we, we weren't professional soldiers. We were, you know, um, conscripted. So you, so you do your national service. Everybody, everybody has to do their national service. So you find yourself soon after high school, you know, up in the army, uh, getting trained really quickly. So you go from schoolboy to, uh, to like fighting soldier pretty quick. Yeah. Pretty quick but, but of course, like I, I get the sense from, from your book that that was something that you sort of uh, might've fallen into anyways. Yeah, correct. Correct. I mean, um, you, when I went in and I had to do my two years, I decided to, to, of course, if you're going to do your two years, go to, you know, wanted to see some action. You go to where yeah. the action is. So, volunteered for the for the, for the for the paratroopers for the airborne. Um, they call them parabats over there, and um, uh, volunteered for for that because you had heard that they they was saw all the action. You know, they saw a lot of lot of action, and that's and and the other thing there in South Africa, the whole national service thing was kind of kept. Everybody did it, but the um, but the little war on the border, the water, the war on the border going on there was actually what was going on was a little bit of a hush hush. No one really knew exactly what was going on there, you know. Yeah, but that that's kind of interesting. But it like South Africa at that time was I don't know. It, it, it's almost like it might have had like a siege mentality because you're really like South Africa in 1981. Was it when you joined or? Yes, 81. Yeah, so by, by this time, the country is sort of surrounded, I guess you could say, by, you know, hostile powers. That's right. And, that's right. Since, 
75 in 19, uh, Angola, which, which, is, which is just north of us. Angola the, was Portuguese colony for over 400 years. And in, in 1975, Portugal pulled out, leaving a vacuum there. And they pulled out of Mozambique at the same time. That used to be the Portuguese. Right. So yeah, yeah. So there was a war going on there straight away with these different groups fighting for power. And, and Angola, a Marxist group, took power. So right. it was a, a big rush. So yes, yeah, so we were, we were, as you say, surrounded by uh, Marxist countries pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, I was talking to uh, a guy named Tim Bax, who on the podcast a few months ago, he was in uh, the Rhodesian Light Infantry and the Salu Scouts. Yes. And he, was, he had, uh, the way that he sort of put it was that once Portugal got out of Angola and Mozambique and its African colonies, that was sort of, that's when they knew that things were going to get really tough because all of a sudden you had not, not that the Portuguese army was like all that effective, but you know, it's, it allowed the enemy to sort of move freely and then it like attacked deeper into their own oh, countries. hundred percent. That's where everything changed. And Rhodesia was Rhodesia, as you know, had their own little war going on there b- before us mm-hmm. through, through the seventies. And then, um, so, and that ended in 19, 1980 at the end of 1980 yeah. i believe that's right. that, that's when th- that came to an end right when and your story uh, kicks off yeah yeah we missed that our senior company airborne company there's there, there's every six months there's there's new recruits going in so our senior company was in rhodesia helping out because the south africans were helping out there they would you know right. drive to the border have to change at the border they, they were given given um, strange clothes, strange yeah. cigarettes, strange everything, and they went in there as like that. So 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 they were fighting in in really? Rhodesia. I di- I didn't even realize there was that much coordination. Like I I knew that there was like supplies being dropped off, but like I didn't know that. No, the airborne that. paratroopers, right? Paratroopers but- were were there fighting. So our senior companies, I think it is uh, I think it is A and E company. They were in Rhodesia, and yeah, 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 no, no, you, you, yeah, interesting. You, you were changed at the border. Drop your clothes at the border. <laughs> Go different, in disguise. Under, different underpants, everything, yeah. and you just be. You've given new cigarettes, new underpants, new uniform, and off you go. That's fascinating. Well, get, getting back to the book, uh, it's been very successful, hasn't it? I mean, it sold a lot of copies. Yes, uh, seems like you did yes. pretty well with that. And we had an interesting conversation briefly on the phone. Uh, I think it was last week when we talked about, because I asked you, like, why did you write this book? And you had a really interesting uh, <laughs> like explanation for that. Do you, do you want to get into that a little bit? <laughs> well, it's quite simple. And, and yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is quite strange. Um, I, I came over to the U.S. In, in 85 on a sort of I used to box. I was a professional boxer uh, and to, to get some boxing training and to and to just and to see a friend but I was planning on going back I wasn't I didn't planning on staying here but anyway I ended up staying here but yeah so when I when I spoke to the Americans and because I still had this war raging in my head uh right. because I was in the we were up there fighting in uh, 8081 so I came here in 85 so yeah I was still had this war going on and telling everybody you know this is what we did and did this fighting cubans you know tanks chasing us you know yeah. uh rpg sevens flying bombs and everybody looked at you like you were, never heard of this you know we, we never heard of this war you know yeah. so 
one that's one of the reasons that I started writing the book a, a little bit. I thought, bloody hell, I know what happened. I know what we did. And yeah. uh, because when yeah. people when people on this side of the ocean, when we think of Africa, and th this is maybe the product of being a kid growing up in the 1990s watching the news. But when I think of war in Africa, I think of, you know, machetes and warlords. But right. but this is like full on tank battles, oh. airstrikes. Uh, it's very like a very modern war. Yeah. Full on attacks. Uh, you know, you know, Soviet Soviet tanks. Uh, had Cubans. A, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we had a Soviet tank come right out at us. We turned around and everybody bolted for cover. And then and then later on, I was there 80, 81. I think it is in 87, there was a big tank battle, a huge tank battle up there with the with the Cubans and the, the Angolans versus the South Africans. It went on for it was broken up in different battles over about three months. But it was um Cueto Cudavale is where right. it was and you can yeah. look it up and it is amazing stories there boy close up tank battles you know in the bush close contact yeah uh, that went on for many battles and i think there was about four thousand cubans and um and goldens killed south africa lost about 40 40 or 45 we lost one tank quite a few vehicles they lost i think it was like 80 tanks so it yeah. was a hell of a fight and uh like you say when, when you think of africa you don't think of that no, not at all. And just the fact that there's 50,000 Cubans in, in Africa, it, it just, it sounds like almost, uh, if you didn't know your history, you'd say like, oh no, it's unbelievable. Yeah, uh, It just seems so bizarre, like a tiny country like that. But, you know, being yeah. able to send over a force of that size. But I mean, then again, it is the Cold War and there's some strange things happening. Well, this was the last war of the Cold War, uh, of the, you know, you know, proxy war. This was one of those, those proxy wars. There was Nicaragua going on at the time, I think, and, um, and uh, South Africa and Angola. So, so it was a, a proxy war of, of the Cold War for sure. In Canada, like we, we sort of think of, uh, well, of course, you've got Vietnam as a proxy war. Yeah. Korea before that. Yes, correct. Um, but yeah, like I think if you, like this, South Africa is definitely the, like you said, the sort of the last stop on on that train yes 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 it yes it was and it's uh and it's so funny now you know these days facebook and and all this stuff um we, we friends with the russian advisors that were there really yeah um, uh, yeah we friends with them text them joke with them speak to them every day you do eh yeah <laughs> it's crazy stuff <laughs> and they send photographs of themselves in in, in uniform with uh, uh, Sam and Jomo standing, he was the interpreter for Sam and Jomo, who was the head of Swapo, which was the, the, the guerrilla group we were fighting. Right. And there he is, you know, standing next to him. And I, I told him, Igor, it's funny, man, if we had had Facebook uh, and cell phones back then, you could have just told us where you were yeah. next to Sam and Jomo. There would have been no war. It's the funniest <laughs> thing. It, it occurred to me really early on in the book that uh, you, you sort of lived. Uh, I don't know how should I say it. You sort of live like every young man, every teenage boy's uh, dream, sort of, or at least like every rebellious youth's dream, because there there's a lot of fighting, a lot of drinking, a lot of partying. Yeah. You you took down the hot English yeah. high school teacher, yeah, uh, and, <laughs> yes. and then and then you went to war. So like you, you lived <laughs> an interesting life. That's right, and it didn't stop after that. After. After the army, I was boxing um, as a professional in South Africa as well, and you know, and it carried on. 
but but yes, I was at, at school to just your 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 normal uh, um, sort of hot headed um, uh, youngster. Uh, went to five different high schools every year. I was in a different high school through some problem or other. Uh, one of them was screwing the English teacher, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, and then um, and then and and there's a lot of uh, fisticuffs and that going on in in South Africa. It's it's uh, it's an aggressive sort of country. It's uh, you know having you know fighting and and that's like the sort of national you yeah. know pastime over there. It's like uh, you know, it's just yeah. what it why, is. why do you why do you think that is? Like, is it just something of the culture or like? I think I think it's a background to the English. Because they they pretty aggressive, you yeah. know. You know the uh, Brits are always having bar fights and what's not. I think it's that mixed with the Afrikaans, who are very um, sturdy people. They're very yeah. uh, aggressive yeah. people in in a way. So the combination of the whole thing, it's uh, it's hard. To, and in South Africa, you gotta you're living in Africa there, so you got it right from day from very young age. It's a different thing. You kind of you've got the whole of Africa on your back. Mm -hmm. and from a young age you you got to be you got to you got to be a man kind of thing yes um it's just the way it is you're in africa so you you're raised kind of uh, a little bit macho i suppose it is but you know what you got to do it you got to be like that there it's just the way it is yeah you know it's you're living in africa so it's just the way it you, is. you can't like you t can't take all the i don't know i guess like the, the like security that you have in in north america uh, for granted over there i guess you're saying correct correct you gotta be you gotta be you gotta be you gotta look uh, after you yourself gotta, you gotta be able to look after yourself uh, over yeah. there so and you learn that from uh from a boy from from a young boy you gotta stand up from a yeah. boy, yeah, well, there's, boy. Been some, there's been some great boxers come out of uh south africa over the years so exactly and and um and the same thing lended itself into the south african military which was a, it was pretty it was a pretty harsh army very good little army Mm -hmm. um but but very hard strict and and um and, and a harsh army you know so good very good army but the, so that whole south african mentality went into the military and made it um, yeah. a good well, capable capable small army you know i was sort of thinking to myself that it sort of would have to be that way because uh, you know, like in Canada, we, we've had our wars in the past, you know, 20 years, like Afghanistan being, yes. you know, the, <laughs> I think the longest running war we've been in, but, right. you know, for in South Africa in 1980, like the war is very existential because if you lose, then you lose your country. Whereas, you know, the wars that we fought over the years, like if, if we lose in Afghanistan, you know, we're, it's not like the next day we're going to be overrun. But no. with you guys, you had enemies like literally on your doorstep. So, if, you know, if you lose that war, then, yes. you know, it's, you're, you're not just losing the war, you're losing the country too. Yes, yes, yes. And the guys that were fighting for independence, uh, we were mainly fighting Swapo. They wanted independence of Southwest Africa, Namibia, which, which the beef is not that bad. But the, the only problem was that they were being trained by the Soviets. Right. So, you know, the, uh, uh, Namibia it used to be a, a, a German colony. And anyway, these guys wanted, they were fighting for independence, um, which in itself can be uh, understandable. But uh, this, the problem is that they were being trained by the Soviets in, 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 at, at the height of the Cold War. Right. You know? So that was the problem. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that, and of course the Soviets are they're they're training them. They have advisors on the ground. They're giving them equipment. Oh yeah, flooded, flooded with equipment. If if you saw in my uh, uh, book, I've I've got my photographs right here. You know, all, I've got the, these, uh, and you can see some of the stuff. For example, right here, that's that's what we captured from the one from an operation that we did in in Angola, Soviet stuff. Just hold, hold that back a little bit more. Sorry, and these photographs are in my book, I think. Yeah, yeah, this right, is all, right. All, all captured stuff, you know. It's a lot of gear. Yeah, a lot of gear. Here's the tanks right here, captured tanks, a lot of tanks. This is from Operation Protea, you know, captured tanks. Yeah. Soviet, Soviet. Right. Yeah. Well, let, let's get let's get into that. Uh, you you get you join the pair the parabats as they're called. Yes. Um, and uh, you know, it seems the training was was pretty hardcore to get into that group. I love the part in the book where your your inspiration to join the paratroopers is this you know mean looking guy that you see on the street, yeah. and yeah, uh, right. and then just by chance you you run into him during your training, and you're you actually had a bad day on on the training course, and this guy who you met on Civvy Street, he sort of like takes it takes you under his wing and, and ushers you through the the vetting process no it wasn't that no 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 those were two different incidents actually oh okay those, those are two different incidents but the guy that did spur spur, spur me onto it he was a, a guy that when i was in civvy street you know just when i had a few months left to go to the army uh we, we were walking i used to have a long head you know down past my shoulders in, in high school and I saw this, you know, this little skinny airborne guy walking past me with a no-nonsense look, and I, you know, and he just glanced at us like a, you know, don't fuck with me kind of look. Yeah. And then, uh, then we ended up uh, meeting him around the corner having lunch, and then so I got to speak to the guy, and he said, "Oh yeah, he did this," and he jumped into the enemy base, and I thought, man, that's where I'm going. I'm, yeah. I, I want to go the airborne. <laughs> and anyway, I did, and um, but but no, I didn't meet him. The, the, Different guy then different guy that I did. There was a lieutenant that was a mean son of a gun when I was engineers because I was called up to the engineers and they told me that the, uh, the airborne's not going to come looking for volunteers here. You you are staying here. And he was a, he was the meanest, one of the meanest individuals I've, I've ever met, you know, just up to that point, of course. Yeah. Uh, lieutenant. And anyway, the, the airborne did come around and, and, he, and he helped me through the get, getting into it. And, yeah. And, once and during, during the, the training, like you, you had some, uh, oh, like the, it's pretty graphic, like how you're talking about pulling off your toenails and your feet are just mangled after uh, yeah. the training. And you, it almost seems like you, you might, if, if it hadn't been for that guy who like got you on onto the course, like, it seems like you might've given up, but you're like, no, no, this guy that stuck out his neck for me. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to see this through. That's true because I messed up on, on the preliminary tests to get in i screwed up on it but he knew that i was the one out of everybody that wanted to get in there yeah he and saw something his, in you yeah and he he grabbed me and got me in and those 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 were just the little tests at the beginning yeah you know the, the real test was still to come yeah, so exactly. during that two week of pd course which is just pd for two weeks straight just just that's it from morning till night just because the whole object is to get you off the course they don't want you on the course they want you to they want to send you back to your to your original unit, you know, and then um, and very tough. And there was about seven hundred guys that volunteered, and out of that, two hundred guys made it. So the guys drop off like flies. 
And uh, no, I would not give up. Uh, I lost all my toenails. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was, I was going to get those wings, man. Going to get those wings. Yeah. And then, um, and it was all worth it because we would see our senior companies. So while we were training, we would see our senior companies come back from the border. And they were all long-haired and tanned and with their, their R4 machine guns all, you know, and they'd been seeing a lot of action. They saw a lot of action and we would see them when they came back to base camp and we see, my God, you know, that's, that's what we're going to end up to be fighting, fighting paratroopers, you know, and, um, and sure enough, our turn came and, you know, uh, we were the senior company and then and we were sent up there. So we trained for a year, a year of hardship. And then we were sent up to the border and, um, on the first three hours of landing up on the border in, in Dangwa, in the first three hours of landing there to relieve our, our senior Parabat company, the siren went off and we saw our seniors charging out of their tents, you know, with no shirts on and running to the Puma helicopters with a siren going and they flew off and they, um, and, you know, we were like, wow, that's impressive. We had just arrived up there on the operational area, you know, and um, and then about two hours later, they came back and they unloaded about five or six dead terrorists and tossed them down. And, um, you know, so then we that, thought, that's wow, an eye opening moment, I'm sure that's an eye opening moment. You know, funny thing, not not funny thing, crazy thing. And I haven't really told anybody many times. OK, so we had a classmate when I was in high school that was killed up on the border and he was a year above me. And he had been killed on the border and we never knew how or where, you know, you just heard that, that uh, uh, Donald Brooks had been killed up on the border. Um, anyway, ended up those, those five or six terrorists that, that, they, that they dropped down there were the ones that killed my, my classmate, Donald Brooks. Really? I only found that out many years later. Oh, really? Yeah. So at Brooks the time was, you, didn't, you didn't know that these were the guys responsible? No, no, no. I found out many years later. When I, when I got the dates, when I got the dates, there was an ambush pretty close to our base where these terrorists had come and they ambushed a convoy that my mate Donald Brooks was on. And then that is those. So when the seniors ran to the helicopters and flew off, that's where they were going. Yeah, really. And they nailed these tours. But yeah, so I, I actually saw and I've got a, a photograph uh, of those of the killers of my uh of my classmate donald yeah. brooks uh, yeah man i don't think anyone yeah that's crazy uh, yeah crazy stuff but we soon found ourselves in action you know we, uh, we started off doing patrols inside of uh, namibia this side of the border because uh um on dangwa is is, is r right on the angolan border and then pretty soon um we had started doing cross-border raids into angola right and yeah and that's and that's a different story so we would go like the one operation um it was operation carnation it was operation ceiling which was in conjunction with operation carnation and and that was all um the airborne and 32 battalion were in angola and we were there for four weeks just doing a zigzag seek and destroy right just the zigzagging in platoon strength yeah so so when you're walking in somebody else's country in platoon strength, it's, uh, you know, and you're, you're, yeah. you're feeling, uh, you're feeling it, eh? Like when you're. Yeah. 
you feeling it. It's, it's, it's all very well when you're this side of the border, when you're on your side of the border, you know, doing a patrol in a pl platoon, but when you're in someone else in Angola, different story. Yeah, it's all, it's all psychological at that point. Totally different mindset, I'm sure. Yeah, 100% mindset, because you, you realize that you shouldn't be there, and they have every right to, to kill all of you for, yeah. for, for being in, in their country, and there's only 24 of you, and you you got an RPG and you got you know sixty mil mortars and whatnot and yeah like if, suddenly, if shit goes wrong and you're only a platoon size uh, force in a you know hostile country like you're you're isolated you're vulnerable yes yes so what happened was our the, our company split up so there are four platoons so every five kilometers was was a platoon so we we were five five kilometers apart. And we spent four weeks going like this, zigzagging up into Angola, looking for trouble. And we looking for looking for FAPLA or um, well, Swapo. Swapo. Right okay. then, yeah, Swapo were the were the insurgents. So we were looking for them. So so they had training bases inside uh, Angola, and mm -hmm. it was a safe haven. So Angola let them have their training bases inside Angola. So we were going looking looking for Swapo. At that point. We weren't allowed to shoot FAPLA. You know, you, if you saw them, unless they shot on you, mm -hmm. you, you didn't, you know, we were going after Swapo. Yeah. Uh, but that changed pretty soon afterwards. And, um, and we, saw, uh, we saw quite a bit of action. Like the one, uh, we had been in there for a week or so, and they flew in this uh, Swapo deserter. I think he was a deserter or he had been captured. I never found out which. But anyway, they flew him in to us and he led us overnight, led us overnight to his comrades. Yeah. So they chose 16 of us and uh, we put on black is beautiful, you know, complete black camo is, is what yeah. we do in South Africa. Totally black. You, 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 you look like a black man. Is that, is that just to like disguise yourself? Like um, most of the local population? Yes, sort of? that's what it is. So you do completely black, 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 your whole face, everything arms. And, 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 and you put it on every, every few days, you put new camo on every three, four days. Mm -hmm. So, and it's, you know, in the movies, the guys do the stripes on the face and no, we yeah. didn't do that. We went, you go black. Yeah, and and that sealer scouts, that guy that you interviewed, yeah, he, he would tell back. you some stories. He would tell you some stories about where they sneaked into a base, disguised as I think uh, Zanu or something. Yeah, and they had a bus with chickens on the roof. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They would go and, all out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got right into the base, and all these terrorists like rejoiced, and they came towards them thinking that they were the the other other guerrillas yeah only when they got close by they saw everybody had blue eyes yeah that's and, right and they, and they had 20 20 millimeters 20 millimeters in those buses and they nailed them the the rhodesians yeah they, they would do the, the same thing just like you said like try to disguise themselves and yeah and uh like i, I guess like you're not you're probably not going to fool anybody like in the in the light of day, at least not for too long but if there's a little bit of distance between you yeah. and maybe the light's not there then yeah you yeah can pull it off. Yeah, yeah, the recon, our, our, our recons, our rickies, they were some hot, tough guys, man. They would sneak right into bases, in, into the enemy bases, just on the outskirts, and, and, and they, they would go right up to the mix. I mean, there's some amazing, I can give you some names for some good interviews. Yeah. It's yeah. amazing stuff they've done. The one guy was right on a mix. He was, they were planting bombs on the mix, on the Cuban mix, way up in Angola. Wow. 
that's where he was, right up by the mix, uh, blowing them up. But uh, they had to abort the the it right at the last moment. Yeah. But so yes. that, that's what you guys did when you're you're going on this patrol with the deserter. You're you're camoed up. Yes, yes. So so sixteen of us put Black is Beautiful on uh, at about nine o'clock, and we followed this guy through the night. Followed him through the night, and in Africa, the bush. You can get lost. You you can go out for a pee and get lost, not finding your, your way back. I mean, that's what it's like there. And he takes us through the night. We walk the whole night. At about four o'clock in the morning, he stops and he points and he points. And nobody, this is walking the whole night. Nobody's saying a word. Nobody, this is walking slowly, taking the twig in front of you and handing it to the guy behind you so it doesn't catch in your equipment. Yeah. So I think he got lost some, but nobody spoke. No one said a damn word. But he finally, at about four in the morning, so how many hours is that? It's, I don't know, six, seven hours we've been walking. He says, there they are. And it's still pitch black. And they push him aside. And we walk through. I was one of the first guys, uh, just because I walked too fast. Whatever I do, I do fast. So we, we, we uh, 16 of us lined up, and we went across this clearing. In Angola, there's a lot of clearings. They're called shaunas, where it's just sand. And then there's bush. And then there's a, another shauna. Some shaunas are like, you know, 30 square yards. Yeah. Other shaunas are like a mile long. So we cross the shauna. And sure enough, I walk in the bush. And here's a little fire. And here's bedding. And all their stuff's right there. How this guy led us right up to him in that bush in the middle of the night. And I walked right into that, you know. It's amazing. But walk through stuff's there food's there bedding's there racks you know they make those racks out of branches and shells expecting to get shot at any second walk through nobody says a word quiet walking right through their bedding expecting to get raked with ak-47 at any second go through nothing nothing keep walking nothing walk 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 anyway we go through all this stuff's there. And then, um, so the lieutenant says, go, go. He, he motions us to go forward. So we go forward past, a little ways past, and so we go down. So everybody's tired and cold, freezing cold, and um, disappointed. We walk the whole bloody night, then it's lemon. There's nobody there. Right. So we sit down, and I remember getting my weapon and throwing it in the dirt, my R4 pissed off, and... Anyway, we sit there, I don't know, 20 minutes or something. And here we hear a, a, a can being kicked right here next to us, a can and a laugh. So they were right next to us. No shit. Nobody said a word. If we had said, if one of our guys had said, ah, oh, shit, we, you know, whole fucking night we walked, we missed them. Or if anybody had farted or laughed or burped, these guys would have did what we did to them. Yeah. So we got yeah, up. So you, you got them in the end. Oh, we got up, we crept to them, no orders given, every man by himself. We crept right on them. The sun was just, the uh, sky was just getting gray. We saw them in front of us making, starting their fires. And, you know, and we waited, I don't know, we waited maybe half an hour picking our targets. You know, I must have changed my target 30 times. And then, uh, and then my mate opened up with his RPG-7 right into their, right into their, their fire. Yeah. So these guys are, oh, they 40 yards from us, if that, 30 yards from us. And we sat there for 20 minutes, just yeah. 
just aiming them and then we just opened fire and then we charged in and we got them all got all of them i can imagine like so what you're feeling when you're walking through their abandoned camp like beforehand like you're probably thinking to yourself well like did this guy like lead us into a trap or 100 percent, yeah 100 percent. you know right at the beginning before we even got there i thought this has got to be a damn ambush this guy he's pointing he's saying there there and there's pitch black so the moon is shining on the shauna which is white sand and the shadows of the trees ahead of us are pitch black and he's saying they're in there you know and um and it's uh and it's Angola. It's dry. It's dry shrub. Dry. It's yeah. not huge trees at, at, in where we were. It, it, further up they are, but it's, so it's it's shrub, you know, bush. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was something else. We we nailed them all, and and uh, there were there were some tough guys. I mean, the one guy died. I ne- I'd heard I'd heard them talking about it, but I'd never seen it before. Um, on his chest. He, he got nailed through the chest, uh, through the uh, throat, and he ran. He, we managed to run, I don't know, 20 yards or something. And when I got to him, he had, he had a, a, a fuck you sign on his chest towards me. You know, like this, in, 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 in South Africa, that means screw you, you know? Yeah. And he had it on his <laughs> chest, man. As, as I got him, he had that in his hand. Oh, man. So, tough, tough, yeah. Jesus. And, um, it goes to show you that the, the difference between life and death and in, in the border war or, or any war really is something as small as like, you know, somebody kicking a can. Yes. You're hundred percent. Right. Somebody yeah. kicking a can. Isn't that something? Eh? Yeah. If, if we had said one word, if one guy had said, fuck, we've walked the whole night. Or even if he had just said, Oh, fuck. Yeah. That's it. They would have done to us what we did to them. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, my, my, it kind of reminds me of uh, some of the stories my brother told me from fighting the Islamic state in Iraq where you know it's it's sometimes it's life and death is just a matter of inches you know like it's it could be like a gust of wind or somebody exhaling uh when they're you know taking their shot like it's just it's right it's crazy to think about that that's the what you're yeah. dealing with you 100 percent right yeah you 100% it makes you wonder right. if it's like fate or oh yes 100 percent right and then another uh, and then about two days later so now we're still in angola so that is a successful ambush. We, we get all stuff about two days later. So we carry on advancing up Angola, our, our little merry platoon. Um, and then uh, we rest. No, we were too far north. So they told us to, to hang out for a while, I guess, while the other platoons got alongside us. So we were sitting waiting and we saw this old man my friend and I saw this old man. Once again, we were led there. And we called the old man over because we, we had been compromised. So here's this old man walking up. He sees us. We see him. So we say, hey, Hila, come here, come here. So he comes. And so what do we do now? we got this old fella. Yeah. You know? Um, so we ask him, where's Swapo? Swapo, where's Swapo? So he says, yeah, Swapo's over here. He says, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and he'll take us there. So... We didn't have comms for some reason. The the you know the bloody radio is always breaking down. Yeah. It's never got bloody comms, <laughs> and we didn't have communications. So I remember, I was you know we're saying half the guys are saying no 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 this is not cool. We, we don't know what where we following this old man into. We got no communications. You know who knows. Anyway, so we we drew lots. The the lieutenants we sort of voted, and the guys voted. Let's go follow him. So we followed him. 
not long for about two hours, if that. And then we started seeing Spoor, a lot of tracks. And the whole border war is, is fought on tracks, Spoor. Because in southern Angola, it's soft sand, like almost like beach sand. Mm-hmm. So the whole war is on finding tracks, following tracks and tracks. And here we come on tracks. And uh, now we find ourselves walking into a little town. And locals are coming out. An old Portuguese, you know, Portuguese church there. Yeah, and yeah. this and this. And what the hell? These locals are coming out and saying, yeah, we are walking up the road. Um, and they astonished. What are these South Africans doing? doing in in our town so so now the old man oh so we, we go to past this beautiful like old church there and um some of the guys going to look and uh the old man disappears of course he's gone he, yeah he takes a break that, that, that's not a good sign <laughs> yeah and there's tracks there's vehicle tracks there's all sorts of stuff so we kind of shooting us off at this point we think hang on this is not the way it's supposed to go so anyway so we we walk out we come out the church we turn right we go that away come on some people wear swapo one guy sort of points and we carry on but now we know that we're in the shit yeah man um so we're gonna go out of town a little bit and next minute we take fire we walk right into these guys now this is fapla this is not swapo right this, these were fapla now they were angolan regular angolan army guys we aren't supposed yeah. to touch them so we had got comms, I guess the, the, the lieutenant had, had got communications during this time and uh, we got gunships. So it is like a movie. So as we were, so we hit the deck. So we had this, this firefight, which lasted, I don't know, probably 10 minutes, 12 minutes or more. So it's shooting, it's down, it's running, it's getting up, running forward, shooting, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah. it's this moving fire like uh, up he sees me down drill sort of yes all that stuff that they trained you that yeah. you didn't think you'd do it's yeah. fucking like that yeah you're down you shoot and then you stop shooting the guy and you spread out so you've got 24 guys kind of spread out in a line advancing on where we're taking fire from and then on that side of the line they got involved in a hell of a firefight in which we couldn't see targets so we, we kind of just kind of sit here for a, a few minutes and watch them blasting, blasting. And then it's moved forward. Then it's moved forward. And then finally, we, we got into the tree line. And, um, and um, now we sort of split to, to find stragglers. I was always at the end of the line because I used to carry LMG, machine yeah, gun. Yeah, yeah. And your position is at the end of the sweep line. And I always, even though I wasn't carrying an LMG at this point, I still like that position because you can flank around, you know, mm-hmm. if the shit hits the fan, you can like come around. So now we're looking for stragglers. And um, this is one of those things that you were talking about, the, just a breath or, or a kick of a can. So I start having an asthma attack. Never knew I had asthma. Yeah. Didn't know I had <laughs> asthma. Found it's a hell of a time to find out. Fucking hell. I tell you. So, um, so. We're looking for stragglers now. We're walking through like this. And now from this, we've had like 15 minutes of, of this of this up, down, shooting, charge, up, down, shooting, charge, up, down, shooting, charge. So, yeah. So I guess I have an asthma attack. Never knew what it was. Years later, I found <laughs> out I got asthma. But anyway. Jesus. So I start that I can't breathe. I'm bending over, puking. My eyes are full of tears. I can't see a thing. So I'm seriously having a problem bent over and having dry, dry wretches, dry yeah. wretches. 
I just hear my mates shout my name, Ganji, Ganji, Ganji. So just from their voice, the way they shouted my name, I knew that it was imminent danger. Yeah. So I just look, I can't even see where I'm shooting. I just like boom, 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 boom. I shoot around me and I just get their bullets. Their bullets zip past me, yeah. fucking bullets this past me. And when I when I able to clear my eyes like this, there's a tur. I'm telling you, he was nine, eight yards from me. I'm puking, no riding, wow. I'm having an asthma attack and puking right in front of a tur that's that's hidden. Yeah. So, hidden under the tree, man. So I just remember looking when I cleared my eyes, him with a big sort of a, with, with his hand laying on uh, his old AK-47 and they nailed him. So my friends, they they saved me, man. I would have been shot right there in mid-puke. Can you yeah. believe that? Jeez. Jeez. That is incredible. Do, do you ever like, you know, with, with so much like time that's gone past, like do you ever like think back to it all and, and be like, well, am I just lucky or... Or, or, yeah, is there no. some, or is something like do you, do you like have that like conversation with yourself at all or no 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 i i don't no no i don't think like that i don't know i yeah. don't think like that i never i never have it's it's you know it's just one of those things yeah sort you of know, random it's, it's like, random it's like, chaos yeah it's it's like having a, a a bullet go right past you um and if it gone one inch it would have hit you yeah exactly it's just one of those things eh yeah, I, I'd imagine that. Well, what would you say was the when you look at Swapo and uh, Fapla, how were they as fighters? Like, were they competent? Uh, no, look, look. Generally, we went through them like a hot, hot knife through butter. Hot yeah. knife, the airborne. You know, those guys, those those South African guys that were schoolboys, just like a, a a year before, they were they they taught you so aggressively. The 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 the, the South African paratroop training is very aggressive. It's very yeah. aggressive. They want you to be a fighter, aggressive, almost like stormtrooper kind of thing. Right. So our guys, South African guys, there. No, we went through them. The parabats went through them like hot knife through butter. You just gotta uh, find them first. You That's gotta find them first. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Find them first. And there's um, this, there's this uh, South African. I don't know. Actually, I don't. I shouldn't say South African, but I've the saying from uh, that part of the world that you know a snake can can disguise itself from many animals, but the one thing you can't disguise itself from is another snake. So yeah, you, you don't, you don't send yeah. a hyena to get a snake. You, you got to sort of become the snake to get yeah, it. hundred percent, hundred percent. I like that one. Yes. hundred percent. Exactly. Exactly. So you got, like you that. sort of have to yeah. almost like become, you got to think like the enemy to, to find. No, them. no, that that's why the Africans, the South Africans are so good at fighting in Africa, you know, in, in, in with the executive outcomes, you, you know, executive yeah. outcomes, right? Yeah, I mean, those were what there was 250 South Africans. They went up and nailed those uh, those rebels up in uh, Sierra Leone, I think it was. Yeah. And um, they nailed them in in three four months. They had had them pinned uh, pinned back, you know. So yeah. South Africans know how to fight in Africa. That's for sure, man. They yeah. Know how to fight in well, Africa. that that was like a lot of. Uh... That was like a lot of veterans from the border war, wasn't it? Ah, it was my captain, my 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 captain. It was all our guys, all the airborne, yeah. all the all the rank, the, the airborne guys. My sergeant major was there for years. He was the training. A little a little older, of course, but still kicking yeah, ass. It was them. It was people that we know. It was, it was people that people that we know that that ended up. I was in I was in the U.S. at that stage, but they they the ones that. Uh, we yeah. would do it. Yeah, no, my, my captain, our sergeant major, our regimental sergeant major at airborne. I think he, he was like a second in, 
in command of the training or something for for the the, the yeah. executive outcomes. But oh no, no, these were some hard boys. Uh, but um, and then they had the real thing there. I mean, so 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 we, those guys that we nailed, we got about nine of them in that contact, and then the gunships landed. And they said, no, no, this is not Swapo. This is Fapla. Hit the wrong guys. So we had a boogie. Now we had blasted out our ammunition because we had that that ambush, what, uh, two days before. Yeah. We uh, blew out all our ammunition. So we hardly had any ammunition. So this was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, 4.30. So we realized that we hit Fapla, which is the regular Angolan army. And we're not mm -hmm. supposed to. So we, we boogied south. So we got in single file. The helicopters took off and we got out of there, man. Single file and we headed headed south. Let's get out of here. And um, pretty soon um, they started mortaring us with 80, what, what, what are they? The 82s, right? We're the 81s. Yeah, the 82s. They started mortaring us. They didn't know exactly where we were. So they were, they were throwing They're just bombs, lobbing, lobbing, lobbing bombs, lobbing yeah. bombs. And um, so we went for probably for about an hour and a half until it was dark. And then we went down in a TV which is a uh, temporary base. Right. And we went down. Now, everybody's like, wow, that is, that is hairy. And then here we come something. If you've been in the bush for, um, for weeks, it's dead silent. It's dead. It's the middle of nowhere, man. You know, Angola, Southern Angola, where we were, if you fly over it with the, with the airplane, which I've flown over it, going back to South Africa, there's nothing. It's a sea of green. Right. It's so quiet. So here suddenly you hear a big diesel, big diesel engine following your spur. So I was saying everything's on tracks. That whole war was following following tracks. Yeah. So these guys are following us at night with a BTR. Yeah. And a BTR is it's this it's this thing right here. That, that's that's a BTR. Yeah. And it's it's got a 14,5 on it. And we hardly got any ammunition. So like we up and this thing's close. You just roar, you know, and they on our spur, they on our tracks. So we quickly have a meeting and, um, and, uh, the radio, if I remember the radio was screwed up again, I guess we had a bad radio and there was no communications again. <laughs> it's a common theme here, right? Oh yeah. There was no comms. Nobody. We like, what the hell? And then finally the lieutenant got through and he said, South Africa says, book out of there man head south move so we packed our stuff and we boogied um in single file in single file at night and you're not supposed to move at night in the bush uh, in the bush war this you know when it's dark you don't move but anyway we yeah, and, and why why is that that um you know good question i think it's because anything that moves is an enemy yeah so I'm sure the special forces guys would, uh, the reckies and whatnot, they would operate at night. Right. But if we were anywhere in the bush, when sun goes down, you dig in and that's it. You don't move. Mm -hmm. So, so anything that does move gets shot. Right. So that, that, that's the way on that. But we, we, we went south on that. And then, um, and then, uh, and then we're still in there a couple more, more weeks saw a few, a, a few more contacts. We were there a month in Angola, just seeking and destroying and saw quite a bit of action. And then, um, then we had to go back to, um, to uh, Namibia. We walked back, it took us a good couple of days, but um, we had, so we had been, 
banging around in southern Angola there for a month of, yeah. you know, in platoon strength. I mean, you know, what it doesn't get better than that, man, as youngsters yeah. walking around with guns, <laughs> hunting, uh, fighting in, you know, southern Angola doesn't get better. There we, we had been there a month, man, by ourselves. And, and, now, and now you and, guys are the ones coming back to base with the long hair and the tans. And that's right. Yeah. That's right. So now we re so all the, the platoons that it was, we had four platoons, remember, and they were five kilometers apart. So while we were having our action, the other platoons were having their action too. Eh? They mm -hmm. were seeing their shit. And, and we heard some of, they got attacked oh, long, lot, many stories, but they got attacked and we heard them at night getting revved. They were yeah. attacked by Swapo, getting mortared, and we heard it. Boom, 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 boom. It was quite something. Oh, and then a, a South African jet. Before you knew it, there was a, a jet scrambled from South Africa. And you heard it, you know, in that quiet night in Angola. Mm -hmm. dead, dead quiet. You just hear boom, boom, boom. They were being attacked. And you hear this jet coming from South Africa. And yeah. all the mortars stop and the mortars <laughs> stop. And this, this jet's flying above them, above them in the night, you know. Yeah. And then it splits. Oh, it was amazing, man. And then so we reunioned just uh, south, just north of the border. Um, the four platoons got together and everybody told their war stories and what they had done and this done. And a couple of our guys had got shot. Uh, two guys seriously shot. I spoke to him the other day, El Swanapul. He was shot through the groin in the ambush, badly shot. He's still to this day, which is what, 40 years later, he's still in and out of hospital. Really? You might lose the leg and sick oh, just man. from that from that gunshot, eh? Yeah. Yes. So many years ago. So a couple of our guys were shot. We got quite a quite a few kills. I think we had got probably about 35 kills, 40 kills. Yeah. In that in that in that operation. And then so and then we went back. And then uh so we walked into the base, like you said, dirty long hair walked in the base and there were new troops, they're infantry troops. Yeah. And they were like checking us out and, um, and um, checking us out. And, you know, who's the irk and these airborne guys, you know? Right. <laughs> and we walk in and I, I remember that is the first time I'd heard that song uh, by Phil Collins in the air tonight, you know, that. Yeah. 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 We were sitting there black is beautiful, drinking a Coke, you know, drinking your first cold Coke and having a candy bar. Yeah. And out of the canteen, I heard uh, the song, this drumming. And I, what the hell? I, I'm a musician myself. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So I thought, what the man? I pushed these infantry guys aside and I, and I heard the song for the first time. But I always remember it because it's just coming straight out of Angola. And then, and then, uh, then another interesting thing. So we've been in the base now maybe half an hour. We sit down and then we had that had been our base before that's where we were based yeah before we went to angola but 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 now the infantry the young infantry guys had taken her over and we had two little cats there so the one guy comes and says hey he comes to me granger he says granger the sergeant major the infantry sergeant major killed us two cats and we're like what he says yeah he banged the one against the wall and he stomped on the other one I said, what the hell, where's the Sergeant Major? So we've just, we've been there half an hour in that base. I tracked down the Sergeant Major. I get one of the infantry guys. I say, hey buddy, come here. Where's your Sergeant Major? Oh, he was, he was a staff Sergeant, but he was the, mm -hmm. he was the camp Sergeant Major, the KSKM, KSM, which is the Sergeant Major of the camp. Right. 
Well, camp, although so he, he's, he's pretty high up there. Yes, and he was a mean guy. He was, he'd ruled. They were so shit scared. I said, where's, where's your sergeant? Where's your, you know, guy son, M? Oh, no, no, no. I said, you go get, get him, tell him there's a paratrooper going to see him. Oh, no, no, no. But then I think he realized, hey, this could be good. <laughs> <laughs> so he went off and I was, I was, I'd crossed the line, man. I'd crossed the line. I'd crossed the line. You're I just seeing going, red. Oh, I was, I was seeing murder, man. Yeah. And then, um, and I went to the, to the guy's tent. I was waiting in his tent and here he comes across the parade ground coming to his own tent and I'm standing in his tent and I say, Hey buddy, uh, you the guy that uh, killed the cats uh, in Afrikaans. I, you know, we speak Afrikaans. Yeah. And, he, and he says, yeah, so, so what of it? Something like that. Anyway, I kicked the shit out of him. You know, now, now there's a lot of guys that have got in trouble for hitting an officer or, or, or striking a rank or whatever. But this was not that. This was more. I kicked yeah. the living shit out of him. He shit his pants. He was crying. Drag him outside kicked the crap out of him it went on and on it wasn't and, people, and other people are seeing this happen all his guys yeah. his guys a bunch of his guys and some of uh, my paratroopers too so it wasn't good i'd crossed the line i was i was gonna you know full on it went on for uh i don't know it went on for probably four minutes or five minutes yeah so, you, you had just gotten back from this uh, crazy intense mission yes and he had killed our cats yeah and, and, and he had smashed him so and I spoke to the cook who, who told me what happened. He's, the guys were in the mess eating and the cats were in the mess. So he stomped on the one in the mess, broke its neck or its back in the mess. And the other one he hit against the wall, killed it and left it lying there or something. So yeah, I was, I was, I kicked the crap out of him. So I was arrested immediately. Yeah. So, so our, our little Sergeant major, uh, um, company Sergeant major, he came out and so it was a big deal and, and they locked me up. But, yeah, they, oh, yeah, they locked me up there. But at the same time, as we had come into the camp, we had heard about this big operation coming up like soon, a huge operation into Angola. And, and we were going to be involved, uh, which we heard straight away when we got in the camp. And then so I was locked up. Uh, and then I was released the next day. Oh, oh that evening. All those infantry guys got got beaten up by the airborne guys. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Every single one of them. And then, uh, anyway, then so anyway, I, I was released next morning, and then we drove back to the to to the paratrooper base at Ondangwa, Ondangwa. That's where the airborne base is. And yes, sure enough, there was this big operation, and they don't tell you stuff in the army. You know, you just know it's a big operation. Yeah. We thought we're going to attack. The whole of Angola, we're going up to Luanda. This is this is the big one, man. Yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm arrested. So immediately that we get there, we've just come back from the, this this operation, and um, the guys go off to train for this other big cross border operation. We're going to nail them, and we're going to nail Fapla now. We're not we're not going after Swapo, the guerrillas. We're going after the, the uh, regular army. Yeah. And we're going to be in front. So anyway. I got to stay in base because I've got a court martial coming on. So, so my boys, they, they pack up straight away. This is all within next day stuff, you know? Yeah. You're moving. There's not, not a lot of uh, time to decompress. No, or... no, no, nothing at all. Two days. And they off in, into the bush to go train for three, three weeks. They had, we were going to train for this big operation, which was a big deal. There were trenches, bombs, bombers, everything. 
So they go off and I, I got to stay with the junior company at our base there. Oh, the junior, they flew the junior company up from South Africa to take over. And they weren't fully trained yet, the junior company. But anyway, they came and took over the base there. And I had to stay with them for two weeks. And I saw my lawyer and I was going for a, going for this, uh, seeing my lawyer and they were building a case, you know, and I was going to get court martialed and I never knew what was going to happen. Um, uh, might even get get DB, you know, or thrown yeah. out of the, the be thrown out. I don't know, but um, but once again, I, I wasn't worried because it, it never entered my mind. Actually, I just saw the war carrying the game was carrying on, man. You know, I wasn't, uh, I, I didn't really understand how severe it was. Um, and so anyway, so I get a court martial. Two weeks later, we go in the court martial. I've got my my uh, my army lawyer with me, and he gives my case and. Boy, um, anyway, I got a letter from our commanding officer of our company. And he had said that, you know, we were in the front line and that, uh, um, you know, we had seen a lot of action. We had just seen a lot of action up there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and, and our pets, you know, these, these cats were our pets and somebody killed them. Yeah. So I was surprised that I got a suspended sentence. Yeah, it's, um, that must be unheard of for the yes. for what you did. I didn't even understand, you know, they're talking Afrikaans so fast. You know, these big guys in the court martial, I couldn't even yeah. understand what the hell they were saying. So when we, you know, about turn, get out. All right. You know, you march out of the court martial. And I asked my lawyer, I said, what, what happened? He said, you so lucky, man. You, 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 uh, you, you got a, you got a suspended sentence. And it was the letter because it was, the, it was the letter from my, uh, company commander that said I was a good fighter. I was, I was, I was, I was good. I'd been in the forefront of those attacks, yeah. the forefront of the bloody, you know, contacts. And, and they needed everybody. They, they needed you. They, they needed, needed you for got, what was to come. Right. You got a big, big camp. So, okay. So we, so we go back to, so um, uh, the town where I had the court martial was about a half an hour away from the, the parachute base. So I get back there and, um, and I um, and I go to the junior captain who was in charge, uh, the, the captain of the juniors. And I said, sir, I'm finished with my uh, uh, and he was a well-known bastard as well. Uh, I'm finished with my uh, court martial. I want to rejoin my guys. He says, oh, and I was wearing sneakers because my toes, I'd screwed my toes up so bad during training, man. Yeah. You know, my my lieutenant used to kind of let me wear sneakers because they were so badly damaged. He says, what's up with the sneakers? I say, oh, so you know, it's my 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 feet have got problems, and he says, well, you fuck you, you staying right here, you're not joining anybody, you go to the hospital and sick report right now, come back, bring me the sick report, you staying here, you ain't rejoining. Yeah, I say yes, and I'm so disappointed because I know that my guys are doing this training for this big operation, so um, so I say yes, sir. I turn around, I salute him, I turn around, I walk to my to my tent. Immediately I say, up yours, buddy. I'm going AWOL. <laughs> so I start packing my stuff. I've just come out of a, a court martial one hour ago. Yeah, I, I mean, you're, told... you're, you're like maybe pushing <laughs> your luck a little bit. Yeah, I came out an hour and a half ago. I came out of court martial. I said, no way, I'm not missing this, this big game. I'm not missing this fight. I pack my stuff. I go around the back of the base. I hitchhike out. Hitchhike out towards the battle. 
So I get a, a lift. The first, the first truck going out the base is, is a water truck. Picks me up and he's taking water to the to the training yeah. site, which is I don't know. Probably it's an hour's drive, hour and fifteen minutes drive maybe from where we are in the bush. They've been training there for like two weeks, two yeah. and a half weeks, with trenches and uh, jets dropping bombs. There were uh, 60, 40, 40 or sixty. Uh, aircraft involved. Yeah, so this, this is a big. This is a big. big oh, the biggest operation since the South Africans done since the Second World War. Yeah, huge attack. So, so okay. So he drops me off. He says, "Walk through here. You're gonna see your guys." I'm like, "You crazy? Just like bush." He says, "Keep on walking straight, man. You're gonna walk in your guys." Anyway, so I, I I did walk right on my guys, my airborne guys, and they are looking forlorn and their hair's long uh, because. You know, they were in the other operation. Now they're straight in this. I still had a had a haircut. I was forced to have a haircut in between. Yeah. <laughs> not these guys. And everybody's downcast. And I'll say, what's going on, guys? I'm all happy. This is about two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. I'm all happy. Hey, guys. How's it? Everybody looks at me like, I'm like, what the hell? Anyway, then they pull me in and they say, hey, big, we're leaving tomorrow morning. I just made it. Yeah. I just made it, man. And... And they told me it's a huge, they've been training for two weeks there, diving into bunkers, throwing grenades into bunkers, trench, clearing trenches, jets dropping bombs, thousand pound bombs, huge bombs. Yeah. And uh, anyway. So anyway. They, they just have this like uh, sense of foreboding that like they're going to be yeah. like into some heavy shit. Yes, sir. I'd never seen it. I'd never seen them like that before. Usually they, they you know, looking good and, and, and you know, you know what? guys they, yeah they, but these guys had been through because they had no break they had the that other operation we were on for four weeks and they yeah. went straight into this one right so foreboding foreboding is the right word yes and so they explained to me what's going on and then uh, our sergeant major came and said hey train him so somebody trained at me somebody trained me in like half an hour what <laughs> them two weeks yeah uh, you, you know uh, bunkers i'm sure i'm sure you learned everything that you had to know <laughs> everything i don't know exactly so that is it so then that night we had steak you know when the army gives you steak the steak dinner in the middle of the bush you know shit's coming right oh yeah so yeah everybody gets a steak i don't know how many hundreds of steaks there must have been but um and anyway the next morning we left at about i don't know three or four o'clock in the morning a long convoy fighting vehicles rattles. Uh, a rattle is a South African fighting vehicle that's it's got a 90 millimeter on it. It's got a 90 millimeter. Some of them have got 60 millimeters. It's a fantastic fighting vehicle. Big convoy. I don't know, many kilometers long, many kilometers long. And we cross the border in, into Angola. And, uh, and we're going to attack these big bases, Fapla bases. And, um, and uh, so it, it took about two days or so. And it was on my, on my 20th first birthday 28th of august yeah so now we attack now we attack. oh so the night before oh that night before we left they we, we got orders you know wasn't but they don't tell you details in all only at the last moment yeah they say all right this platoon we're going to travel out we're going to hit the trenches when we're there's going to be a tar road and then there's going to be banana shaped trenches like and they drew it there and the, the jets are going to drop bombs for half an hour. When we get to the first trenches, then we deploy. Everybody jumps out of vehicles, line up, 
and we advanced through. It's a big base. It was 13 square kilometers of trenches and bunkers. Big base. There was supposed to be a thousand guys waiting for us there. Wow. So, so anyway, and then they stay, and of course they tell you, I remember this lieutenant says, guys, um, those of you who don't believe in, in God and Jesus, tonight's the night that you must maybe have a prayer, but uh, some of us aren't coming home from this one. Yeah. So I think, I'm thinking, oh my God, tomorrow is my 21st birthday. Yeah, so man. I'm thinking, I, I ain't coming home. You know, so, you know, 21st birthday, we're attacking this base. And my two previous birthdays, I'd been arrested. Right. On, on two, two birthdays. <laughs> so for two birthdays in a row, arrested and locked up in jail. And now the third birthday, we're attacking a base. Yeah. yeah. No, not, not better. <laughs> no, not good. <laughs> Funny, man. And, and, anyway. and that, that's Operation Protea, right? That's Operation Protea. Yes, yeah. Protea. It was a big operation in a uh, big operation that we went into and we're so we um at six o'clock in the morning uh it was dead quiet and we were close really close to the base and uh, the south african jets started dropping thousand pounder bombs these are so uh, mirage uh, jets. mirages mirages yeah if is yeah is it a mirage f1 i'm not sure i think i don't know but a mirages yeah yeah yeah, yeah mirages and they dropping uh they coming from miles high coming straight down vertical man vertical you and these guys are shooting back at them with ACAC. Yeah. they got these these uh soviet anti-aircraft it's a uh, it's a um it's a zu-23 i think it is it's got three barrels it's this one right here i'll show you a photograph show you a picture right here where is it yeah these right here these, 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 uh, these, these guns, you know? Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the Soviet weaponry. Yeah, that, uh, Soviet. Yeah, these were the ones that were shooting at us. And I've got a lot of photo, lot of, got a lot of photographs, which are in the book. Yeah. I've got a lot of these pictures of Operation Protea. I've got them right in front of me. But, um, but so now, so our, our guys are uh, these, uh, I think there were 40 or 50 um, Mirages involved in this attack. And Impalas too, you know the ones that uh, yeah. the other ones. So it was like watching a movie with these these guys, uh, our planes dropping these bombs, thousand pounder bombs, which I'd never heard before. They're so loud, and these guys are shooting at our planes with act act like Second World War stuff. You know, yeah. you got this flak up in the air, and they're bombing and they're bombing and they're shooting and what the hell? And then uh, then um, half an hour, that's it, and we right up front, we the airborne. So we we sitting in in our biffles watching this like watching a film man and then we get the order deploy deploy you know now yeah. we gotta so we we jump out the sides and they still there waiting for us man they shooting like hell we get pinned down we can't move can't even see a target you don't even know where they're shooting from so when we deployed we were pinned down um couldn't move couldn't move but it's like a little mini D-Day, like a little yeah. mini D-Day thing. This is yeah, it's like World War yeah, II you, combat. You, yeah, you got your cheek, you squeeze your cheek in that dirt as deep down as you can. You can't even lift your head to do anything, you can't even lift a finger to it's cracking, they're cracking over you. So man, that is for I'm telling you, probably half 40 minutes or something like that. You know, you think this is it. Any minute yeah. now, I'm I'm gonna get one in my head. Yeah. brains are dead yeah um 
and then uh, then they did a uh, called in a a, a strike airstrike airstrike came in with the impala uh, drop drop more bombs drop bombs that loosened us up then we were able to go forward and uh when we were able to go forward um i had an rpg almost like miss my head and funny thing too so okay we're doing fire and movement which is you know one buddy buddy yeah right you know so okay you run forward boom you down okay my turn so as i go i, I put my rifle on fire which opens up the working parts with our forts it's it's, it's it's like ak-47 if you put it on fire it sort of opens up there and yeah. as i get up like this to this the rpg gets shot there was an armored vehicle a rifle to my right Fucking RPG comes right over me. So as I'm up, I just drop like a dead man into yeah. the dirt. But I plow in with my rifle. All the sand plows in into my thing. So I'm down like this. And then my, my mate Stan, he says, he was like in a little bit of cover. But there's no cover there. No, no cover. No. He says, come. So I leopard crawl. You know, that they, they, they teach you in training to, to leopard crawl yeah, like that. Yeah. You crawl. In yeah, training, you can't do it. Oh, yeah. you do it like perfectly when you have to. <laughs> I call to him. I'll tell him, Stan, uh, um, I'm, I've got fucking dirt all in my rifle. He says, you got to clean it out right now. So one thing that I struggled with during training was the stripping the uh, stripping your 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 rifle and yeah. putting it back. You know, you see yeah, them with guys hard and, yeah, do it yeah. so fast. Yeah, yeah, good luck. I mean, it's... Blind, uh, blindfolded. Yeah, yeah, I can't do that shit. But let me tell you, I lay on my back, strip that rifle, in seconds, stripped it, took my bandana, cleaned it, cleaned it out, put it back together, bam, 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 tested it, shot in the air in seconds. Yeah. Not seconds, but really, but flawlessly. My fingers were like pins. Yeah, man. Oh, it's and amazing it, what you can do uh, under oh, that pressure. Oh, man, it was one shot I got that I got that rifle back together. And then, um, then um, so now we start to move forward. Next minute, here comes a tank. Oh, no, we start moving forward. So our guys on our right, they moving a little more forward ahead of us. Man, I see these guys turn around and start charging back, running, tank, tank. Yeah, that was a bloody Soviet tank coming out at us here. Boom, boom. So we all hit the deck, you know. And um, there's not many people seeing this. I don't. No, think. there's not many people alive who have. Uh, no, no, no. And I'll tell you what happened. So we hit hit the so we run a little to the left <laughs> and um, and uh, tank tank so so one of our little South African armored cars it's a Nordic car it's 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 a it's a French Elant no it's it's good it, it's it's a pan it's it's a, originally a French vehicle okay. but it's it is a, taken by South Africans and adapted whatnot. yeah and it and it has a, a ninety millimeter on it one of our little armored cars comes from the back through our line like this oh he was right by me i could have thrown a stone on him came like this turned to the right aimed bam shot out that tank bam hit him again yeah i've got a photograph right here of that burning tank man i got it right here i'll show you right now uh where is it there's not many people seen a tank shot out right in front of the eyes oh. yeah there's a. Uh, Where's that damn tank? That's just incredible. That, that sort of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, how this war in Africa, you know, it's, it's tank battles in Africa. Yeah. And like, who, who would know about that unless you were there? 
Yeah, exactly. And let me tell you, you you have to speak to somebody. I must give you some names that you need. Yeah, to after, after the show, uh, there's some guys that were involved in that other tank battle years after us. Uh, that is like uh, unbelievable. Quinta uh, Valley, or yeah, yeah, seen it the right way. Where the hell is my tank? Anyway, I want to show you. Otherwise, you won't believe me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell you. I believe you, man. <laughs> But here's, here's some of the, uh, the oh, so we finally got into the base. And, and there's one of their tanks in the base. Hold, hold that back a little bit more. There's, 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 okay. there's one of their tanks in the moorings. Um, yeah. Ton of stuff. I mean, I'll show you that tank. Yeah, that's just, that's crazy. That's, uh, yeah. Just like, yeah. kind of reminds me of like, just like World War II style, like, fighting not no, you didn't even have that kind of fighting in in vietnam really with uh enemy nah, towards you it was the real thing there for for that for that morning from from 6 a.m uh till till about 12 it is the real yeah, so, so it, it was a successful operation in, in the end well it went on it, it went so so there's the tank okay so the tank gets knocked out which is great all right guys so let's move forward now, now they now they put those 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 anti-aircraft guns, those 23 millimeters. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a ZU 23 or something. It's got three barrels. Okay, and they're they're just uh, lowering the barrels and they lowering the barrels. Yeah. Your brain has never heard when that thing opened up. Your brain has never heard anything like that in its life. Everybody just like drops and freezes. It's you've never heard that sound in your life before, and yeah. you know it's shooting at you. It's one thing we heard them shooting up. At the mm -hmm. planes, right? So it's like being in a shooting range. You know, when you shoot downrange and you at the targets, and they're shooting over you. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you hear the real sound. Yeah, exactly. But now these anti-aircrafts are shooting over our heads. Oh my God! L tree limbs falling, big tree limbs crashing down. Everybody's just down, and we're like, oh my God! And then, um, and then, so this guy, he would shoot and then stop. You know, and nobody wants to move. No. And then he, and then he would, you know. And I think yeah. each, 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 each barrel can shoot a thousand rounds a minute or something. So. And these, these are huge rounds. Too. Yeah, it's a twenty-three millimeter. You must, you must go. You must YouTube it. It's YouTube. I think it's a ZU twenty-three. Okay. YouTube it. You'll see those things shooting, and imagine those things shooting up your head. So. He, then he must have, uh, I think he must have run out of ammunition or something, and he and he uh, and he he stopped, um, or he wasn't. He was quite brave, that guy. And then yeah, yeah. So this is all back to back as we attacking the base. We we've hardly fired a shot off at this point. Yeah. Because there's no targets. Mm -hmm. It's just us. But you know, and then um, so then he quit, and then we we're able to go forward. But more, and then we were pinned down again. Machine gun, machine gun had us pinned down. Also taking fire, and he's hidden. And ba ba ba. Finally, my mate Doogie Aaron Green is another guy you can speak to. Um, him, him, and our sergeant major. Oh, they had flown up our sergeant major from South Africa for this. He was a legendary sergeant major, yeah. unbelievable soldier. One of the, but he was a parade ground. On you know, we just knew him on the parade ground. Yeah. We never knew that uh, anything about that, but they had flown him up and he was right with us. Yeah. And he was like, when he was a parade ground, where's that LMG in Afrikaans? Fast, the fucking LMG, bring him for him too. You know, where's that LMG? Bring it up. <laughs> so he's like on parade, man, this guy shouting and 
anyway, they they finally find this machine gun, and my mate nails him with with the LMG with a mag, and he knows. And then it eased up. Then we were into the trenches, and then it eased up. So, but for that, you know, from six a.m. to 10 a 10 30 a.m 11 it was the real deal you you're know? not sure which way it's going to go up at that yeah time. yeah and then then you know then we started seeing them then we started shooting now we're seeing them now they're backtracking now yeah. they're bolting now we're seeing them because they're bolting out of trenches there and we were in these trenches and then it was then it was like that then it was then it calmed down it you're, you're taking the punishment when you're, you're attacking but you know when, when yes. you get them on the run then you can you know get some revenge right. sort of Right, and it was a very big base. It is, it is uh, like 13 square kilometers, something of trenches, and it's all hidden trenches. I mean, like you can walk on a bunker, you, you know, you, you don't even see a, a bunker till it's right on us. Um, you know, you, we came on a bunker and everybody's down and the lieutenant shouts to me, Goff and Green, get that bunker. Now, I had missed the grenade throwing class <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> I think I know why I missed it, because I had gone to special forces selection. Okay. Special force selection. We were gone for seven weeks while everybody else was was was, was doing coin ops. No, they were doing conventional training. We we missed that. Me and my mate, we were on another course. Yeah. But we came back to the airborne. But uh, I'd never thrown a grenade. But we had this pouch of grenades on the side. So I look at Kevin, and um, I got the grenade out. Run forward, just like in the movies. You know, you run forward, you take the pin, you throw it in the fucking bunker and you roll right yeah but uh, bam uh but let me tell you um i should have rolled a bit more because the blast shoots out of that bunker you know i was uh, i was okay but yeah but a little, little too close for comfort though yeah next time next time i throw a grenade and then it was we were so then we spent three days in that base and we even slept in that base that night which was very hairy, man, sleeping. It is still active. Yeah. They're still in there. You know, they're running and they're hiding, but they're still in the trenches and, and hidden and bush. So we slept in there that night. And then next morning, oh, many stories, man. It carried on and on. But, um, yeah, three days and then finally cleared it up, captured, oh, tons, you know, football fields, football fields of ammunition and uh, Soviet equipment and tanks. And, you know, we must have got maybe 15, 20 tanks that, that we got from yeah. them and all taken. That is Operation Protea. Did, they, did that like set them back at all? Oh, that must very, have. That must very have. successful. That was yeah. the whole thing was to set them back, you see. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that would probably just put them back by like significant amount of time because that's destroyed 100 100 percent. they got all these all these all these yeah and tons more yeah and that that's in the back now the reason that south africa hit angolan army the regular army was because the regular army was aiding swapper right yeah before we were fighting the insurgents we weren't allowed to hit the regular army but uh, then they swabber started putting their bases close to the fapla bases and yeah. so south africa said let's go in and fuck them all up yeah exactly which is what we did so so the rules changed on operation Protea. now yeah. we were against angola yeah interesting yeah so well, there was like uh, an alliance between the two of them. It, it reminds me of like Afghanistan where exactly. you got Al-Qaeda exactly. on one exactly. side and then the Taliban, but it's essentially the same thing. Exactly. That's what started, that's what made America or the allies invade Afghanistan, I think, because they were aiding, yeah. they were giving training, they were letting Al-Qaeda train there, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, same thing. 
exactly yeah. same thing so from then on it all changed yeah and, and then operation protea um and then we were still in there for weeks and there were still other attacks and oh, and other stuff but uh then after three weeks we went back to south africa you know yeah and, and it must um, have been uh it must have been a relief to get back after because you're you're basically on, on operation for for months by that point so yeah yeah, go back yeah and was, get it get some rest get a good meal and yeah 100 rest oh no but no no it's it's, it's not good because everybody was up I, I was just speaking uh with my brother about this last week actually all the guys were sick when we came back they were like sick and depressed and you know and there's then you go to so the doctors you know and filthy you know your clothes are torn your pants are torn you know everything's torn you're filthy you haven't bathed in four weeks and um and the guys were sick with, with adrenaline withdrawal really so you've had adrenaline in your system all this time you know pumping yeah. daily in your system so yeah I, I never heard about it but but so the, the the doctor explained everybody was feeling sick and all this and he said no no that's the withdrawal of the of the adrenaline you know yeah you had it, which yeah. is strange that is a, i've never heard of that before yeah adrenaline withdrawal which makes sense right it's, it does yeah it's like smoking every day or something and then you then you gotta quit suddenly it's exactly, like um, exactly yeah yeah course, where's like my adrenaline i want it <laughs> and it's of course meant for like you know short bursts uh yes but when you're when you're running a uh, hundred miles an hour for yes. for months like yes it's hold on your on your body and your mind too yeah 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 that's what it was and that is operation protea that is very successful it is the biggest uh south african external operation since the 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 um second world war yeah yeah so yeah. you 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 got out of the army. I, the war, the ceasefire was like in what 1990, I think. Or uh, yes, we still had action. We we still saw more action after that. It was Operation uh, Daisy, uh, which was another big operation deep into um, deep into um, Angola to hit more bases. And we were we were front lines for that too. Again, we saw we saw some big contacts. Well, my actually my company saw it was quite a screw up. The company. Uh, uh, the uh, the operation there's a lot of lemons a lot of lemons but we actually saw a, a big nasty nasty contact <clears throat> involving families and and terrorists with their families yeah. and babies and kids and everything and big in the dust and the smoke you don't know who who it is yeah, exactly. so it was not good which yeah. had quite an effect on me actually well that's um, that's what fucks people up is you know you see the civilians get caught up in things yeah they were escaped the base they they had attacked the base and, and we were on stand we were on fire force which was a reaction force and the base was a lemon so when they got there they had left the base and they just left the base food was still cooking and blah blah and then uh and then we were rushed up there to help and then but we weren't needed because it was a lemon and then uh then they found then then the spotter plane saw this large group 70 people escaping around the back mm-hmm. and it was the, the terrorists so yeah. we flew there right in them got the gunships and and had them pinned down but it was the terrorists with with their families yeah, yeah. so it was horrendous it was horrendous it was not yeah. good yeah no, that's yeah. yeah like i said yeah. that's what's gonna like cause you yeah. to <laughs> well it's that's gonna fuck fuck anybody up i mean if yes 100 percent, that was not a good the other you know fighting somebody with the ak-47 is one thing but uh yeah that, that guy wants to be there but yeah his families don't yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it was it was terrible. That you know, to this day, it still it still sits with me. That one. Well, that that's common with a lot of veterans. That it's it's hard to shake those things off, right? Because you you, you think about it, and uh, I don't know if it's just uh, if time helps or what 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 do you think? Like, yeah, yeah. how do you get over Look, something like that? Nah, listen, that is some nasty stuff. You know, it's babies, it's kids, it's grandmothers, it's toddlers, it's uh, mothers and mothers still holding their babies, their toddlers with one arm because the other arm's been shot off and stuff like that. Um, and the toddlers, yeah, yeah, no, I, it's just no, it's just not good stuff, eh? It yeah. just never goes away. Right. And, well, and you write about that too, right? About how when you were back, when you're in America now, like those those demons are still with you, even though you've crossed the ocean and you know seemingly left the war behind you, but it's still yes, yes, those demons follow you wherever you go. You can cross around the world seven times; they they just yeah. come with you. <laughs> it's it's a yeah you, you talk about like you know walking the streets uh looking for fights and that that's just it's really common uh with veterans who have seen you know yes. shit like that how yes and i don't know if it's uh i think there's like a part of you that probably wants that adrenaline to come back and of course you can never replicate battle uh you can never so there, you, you, you get into like that risky behavior and you know yeah it's, well it's yeah it's just that your your uh um um tolerance of bullshit is zero it's down to zero so when you and, and i so i came to america here and landed in hollywood man my friend was living in hollywood so yeah we're in hollywood and these uh, these youngs can talk eh? and so so when when you have someone yapping at you um you know so so you got zero tolerance for any kind of bullshit that's that's the problem that's why you end up in these these fights and that isn't that you go looking for them at all it's not that it's just that you got zero tolerance for any bullshit from anybody so that's that's a big problem so you end up in issues and then but writing the book so i came to the states here and i was a professional boxer at the time actually um and um, so, yeah, I mean, fighting was what I did. But, um, but right, writing a book can often have a, sort of like a cathartic effect on on people. That that's what I'm. That's story that's what I'm. That's what I'm leading to. That's one of the reasons why I wrote that book too. Because people, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't believe me. I still had this hit, this this, uh, this this war raging, and uh, people had never heard of of people that hardly heard of South Africa. Never mind some f- fighting in Angola. So. That's one of the things that when I started writing that book, that helped me a lot. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about this book, when I wrote it, I kind of wrote it for myself. I didn't really think of getting it published or even getting it out there. I wrote it for me, basically. I thought, yes, obviously, I'll try and get it published one day. Who knows? I'll have it self-published and hand yeah. it out for free. Yeah. You know, so that, but it, it, it took me quite a few years to, 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 to get through it. And then uh, to, to to write it, and then uh, finally it got published. I happened to 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 meet a publisher, and he I sent it to him. You know, he, and he wrote back and said, "Man, this is going to be our big book. Yeah. This is great." I said, "You sure? You, you are you sure you're reading the right book, then, mate?" <laughs> and he says, "Oh, man!" And um, and it got well, it's, it's a it, fantastic read. Yeah, he said his wife was crying. He says his wife never cries. You know, you know, she she was reading the book, and she's the she's she's part of the uh, the, you know, you know, publishing. The, well, what publisher was it? Uh, uh, it? It was Thirty Degrees South. 
Okay. 30 degrees south, which is out of South Africa. Okay. And they got some amazing books. Well, it's changed. Uh, they've, they've changed now. Uh, Chris Cox was the main guy. He, he was a Rhodesian. He was in the, in, in the RLI in Rhodesia. Yeah. And he was the one running, running that. But, um, but he's left now, Chris, and um, it has changed. But it, but it is, is there. And my second book was also published by 30 Degrees South. Um, I, I have a follow-up book, Bat Out of Hell. Which, okay it, which which yeah which goes about coming to the america it's it's yeah. the the aftermath right and, and it's a For good part two yeah part two man part two but the beautiful thing of this book 19 with a bullet um i wasn't just telling my story unbeknownst to me i wasn't just telling my story so when this book was came out and it got around and it did very well it, it, it uh, i was very surprised i thought it would sell 50 copies and it, yeah. it's thirty thousand copies plus so it's a huge success a huge, for a little memoir like that. Yes, it yeah. is. And, and so for paratroopers and airborne guys, now they suddenly had a book because it is their same story. They had the same story and um, they had a book that they can go to their parents and their, and their loved ones and family and say, this is what I did right here. That's yeah. me. Yeah. So it's, that's it's, why it's, it's your story, but it's just like they, everything that happened to you, like they're, they were living the same thing. hundred percent. And, you know, I got so many messages from so many brothers and sisters and mothers of these guys that said, thank you for writing the book. You know, the, 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 the one, one mother wrote to me and said that, um, and, and her son was a, was a Honoris Crooks receiver, which, which is like in the middle of honor here in the States okay. for, for bravery. And she said, when, when he read this book, she, she, and she was 80 years old and, or something and she said she thanks god that she lived long enough to see this uh, this black pool of depression leave her son yeah that, that's on, a good feeling on, isn't it on reading this book and he'd say hey this is what we did this is yeah. what i did this is what we did and i've got so many messages over the years i got a message five days ago from a guy in south africa it took a while to get it out of the guy he's talking to me he says hey did you know a uh, a um a mox with you and I'm saying, who are you? And um, no, we didn't have a marks with us. Uh, he says he was with you. Yeah, this message went going back and forth. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, who is this guy? Is he trying to? <laughs> so I was a bit cagey. And this is just five days ago. And and um, and ends up, it's uh, there was a marks. Because I've got my picture right on the wall. I said, you know what? Let me get the picture off right here. And this is it right here. You know, this is the platoon. Uh, no, no, company. Yeah, That's the company right there. And I looked up, and sure enough, there's a Marx there. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, yes, yes, he was with us. And this particular guy, Marx, uh, I remember he had got 14 kills. And he was just a slight guy, little guy with glasses, not a big old macho Rambo guy. And I remember, and his friends and his, his guys, his, his mates backed him up and said, yeah, it's true. You know, he got 14 kills. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, there's this, this guy. And then finally, I wrote to this guy yeah, yesterday. Um, I saw that, hey, yeah, Marx was with us. There was a Marx with us. And um, was, and uh, was, he had an X. I was thinking of Marx with a K. Yeah. Marx with X. And then I said, yeah, yeah. And, and, and who are you to him? You know, um, he said, oh, I'm his son. Wow. Uh, his son finding about his father. Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah, your, 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 dad, your dad was a good fighter, man. He, he got 14 kills. Yeah. Hear me. He was, uh, you know, so I still have people reaching out. I've got some amazing. You tapped into something. 
Oh yeah, I got all really real these, for I, I got all these messages. I got I got a book of messages from people. You can't see it yet. Yeah, I got a book of messages <laughs> over the years. You know, and this book's been out for what eleven years now. And people are still reading it. Yeah, they're still reading it, and they're still writing, and it's it's, it's amazing. You know, it's a good feeling, isn't it, when you you can have that, uh, you know positive oh, effect on, on people oh it's a it's a beautiful thing man it's a beautiful thing i always tell the guys it's not it's not my story this is this is it, any any paratrooper story and not only paratroopers just you know infantry guys you know guys who are up on the border fighting yeah so it's 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 i feel so honored to be have able to tell the story that has become other guys stories I feel so honored. It's such such a blessing for me. And that has been very helpful to me, like we were talking about. So right. I have done full circle. I am good. And it's it's been through them help me helping them that has made me good. Yeah, it's it's the power, that's the power of literature right there. Like you can really you can reach some people on like a you know an emotional level when you know you're reading those those words on the pages. Oh yes, yes. And just to tell and 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 back then, there's a lot of books on the South African thing now, but you know, it's a very conservative country, and there, there weren't many books out there, mm-hmm. and um, and some of them are pretty dry, you know. Yeah. And just the way I guess I wrote that book, I'd been living in the states here for for a while, so you know, maybe maybe that broke oh, off. I, yes, and I was out, and I was looking at it from it from from a different angle. I was looking at it backwards, so right. and I was able to write it like that too. Yeah. So yeah. so I feel very honored have written this book that have helped many 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 veterans in south africa yeah yeah and granger i guess it's at this time where we're all say that it's been my honor to to talk to you today oh really really appreciate it well i I thank you for making contact with me and and getting hold of me in that and i've really enjoyed it It, it, it's been great it's been great maybe we'll have to do a a part two uh about uh battle to hell someday yeah yeah part two man part two read it it's it's a good book because the the part two was was coming to america and uh with the war raging landing in hollywood with a war raging in your head yeah trying to adapt to a new country (laughs) can't i can't wait to get into it yeah definitely going to if it's uh if it's half the book that uh 19 with the bullet is then i I know Mm -hmm. i'll enjoy it it's uh, your, your book is available on, uh, I know you can get it on Amazon, like everything else these days. <laughs> so yes, yes, Amazon, Amazon, uh, you, you can get it and you, you can get it directly from the publisher if you can't get it on Amazon, which is 30 degrees south publishing in South Africa, 30 degrees south publishing. Yeah, you can get it on, on, on online. They, 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 they're quite easily available. I'll post a link on uh, the website so people can uh, have have a link yes. to it yes and if you could just put like a photograph maybe of a picture of the book or something like that yeah, yeah for yeah, sure yeah. i will yeah 100 percent. russell good stuff man i really enjoyed it yeah granger really good talking to you buddy all right and that concludes my talk with author and former south african paratrooper granger korf i'm going to put a link to his book 19 with a bullet on the website and i highly recommend you get your hands on it if you like the book Three Sips of Gin by Tim Bax, then you're definitely going to enjoy this one. Now, since the last podcast, I've gotten well over 100 new subscribers, and I can't name you all, but I do appreciate you all. So here's a big shout out to Misty DD, Rick P. Dewar, Richard Hillman, Gary Sullivan, and Martin Weir, to name just a few. My thanks to all of you and all the listeners. 
hey, if you like today's podcast, do me a favor and share it on your social media. Better yet, go old school. Tell a friend or a family member about what we're doing here. You can also rate the podcast, leave a review, follow, subscribe, all that stuff. It really helps out. And if you have suggestions for future episodes, send me an email at russell at russellhillier.ca. This episode is available wherever you get your podcast from and also on YouTube. Finally, I'm going to dedicate this episode to all the men lost on South Africa's borderland. That's it for today. Out.